uh, this, that song, uh, I have decided to follow Jesus. When you think of the other verse of that, the cross before me, the world behind me, there is no time in, in the history that I've been alive that the church needed to sing that with absolute determination that that would be true. The cross is behind me. Or the cross is in front of me in the world. Yeah, don't put the cross behind. Though it is, but it isn't. Gosh, the cross before me, what Jesus did is in, in perspective. And I'm just not going to let the world be my coach, my influence. And so um, love what we're singing. Love that we get to do that. Let me remind us of a couple things if I can. First of all, tonight's live stream at 630 we have the incredible opportunity. We have a crew that is packing up all of our live stream equipment, and we are headed down to uh, Lawndale Community Church to meet with the leadership of that church. Um, Pastor Joe and his wife, Dr. Deer, uh, Chris Baker is going to be joining us as we talk about racism, uh, privilege, prejudice, and all of those things. Uh, it is our desire during this time as a church to lean in. Um, we believe that every person our physical eye sees is deeply loved by God. And if anybody in our world is marginalized, then we as the church need to step in. And we need to be, uh, bring the justice of God, which comes through relationship. And it's the love of God. And so tonight's live stream at 630, you can just go to aclz.org backslash live stream and jump on. And we are going to just grow in our understanding of this um, incredible, hurtful season for our uh, black brothers and sisters. And so I would encourage you to uh, maybe do that with community. I would encourage you, if that's as a family, maybe grab a friend, a neighbor, let them know about it. But this is something we're doing as a church um, to just grow and, and be more effective as the hands and feet of Jesus. And so we're going to do that. Be praying for that time. Um, it, it is a difficult thing to talk about for Pastor Joe and his wife and Dr. Deer. And so we're going to just be really sensitive as we lean into that. Also, just want to encourage us again that this summer, our focus as a church, and, and I'm going to expound on this just a little bit. Our focus as a church is community, 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 and biblical community. I'm not just talking about, um, although I think there's different um, perspectives on this and maybe different ways we experience community, but the specific DNA that we're talking about over these last three weeks, and we'll finish up this week, maybe. It's funny, as I was preparing this message, I got eight pages in and thought, that's too much. And um, God agreed and cut it in half for me. And so there may be a part two. So today is... is um, just weighing into what it means to be led by the Spirit. But this idea that we are not a church, that the um, number one offering, the thing we get most excited about isn't the Sunday morning, though it'll never be less than the Sunday morning. We need to gather to glorify God. It is a blast. It is fun. There is encouragement. And I think God loves it. As a matter of fact, um, I think we need that. So it's not less than that, but it is actually way more than that because we are everyday believers, not weekend believers. It is every day over one day because our hearts need to keep believing. And I'm telling you, does anybody live in a world that doesn't want you to believe in Jesus? Anybody else besides me live, live in a world that wants to um, put the church out, put Jesus down, uh, disqualify God, say he's dead, all of those things is true. And so we need each other daily to keep believing because of the world in which we live in, to, to stay connected to truth. And so this summer, that's what, to, that's what this is about. That's why our Sunday live streams will be shorter, and at the end we'll put questions because we're going to assume you're watching in community. Um, 
So that's important. Let me also say this about community that we're talking about, if I can, because it's really important. We're talking about community where it's known and be known. Um, it's about creating a space for one another where we can actually unpack our whole story. And that takes a lot of trust that will bring transparency because we're going to not just tell pieces of our story, but we're going to find places to tell our whole story because God wants to tend our stories in a way that impacts the world and us impacts those around us, that we actually get to grow together. And the accountability that we're talking about is more about what God is wanting to do through our story than the bad things that have happened in our life. It's part of that. We'll talk about that today. And then it's this sense of being led by God's spirit. And I just want you to know that the community that we're talking about is hard. And I think you just need to be aware of that. And maybe for many of you, you're going, you know what? I experienced that that's hard. I mean, I've been in in groups where I've been hurt or I've been part of uh, communities where it wasn't healing and it's difficult to find that space. But as a church, we are going to go above and beyond helping you learn and grow in curating that kind of a space where you can know and be known and there can be trust so that your story can be unpacked in a way that impacts you. you. You find freedom and healing and so do those within that community and you keep each other believing in a way that is healthy and positive because here's the truth. God is already at work doing things and he's calling us into that. And so I'm just going to acknowledge for all of us as we go on this journey. Here's, here's, what, I want, here's what I want to say. I think there are sometimes the church gets um, a little bit over its skis when we demand and you like things a certain way. I mean, we're going to do this and we're going to do this and you should enjoy it and you should be part of it, right? And if you don't, then you're just bad people and you need to go find another church because we're like this, right? I mean, sometimes the church gets out over its skis on that and kind of oversteps and you feel it and you go, don't tell me how to live, which is pride, but we'll talk about that another time. (laughs) Here's what I want you to understand and know when we talk about community I don't believe that falls in that category on any level because I believe this is an issue of soul. This is about you caring and surrounding yourself with people who will care and opening your heart to a God who cares about your soul. And the thing that has been the most destroyed by the enemy of our life is our soul. And God wants to bring healing. And so we're saying community that has this in it is the most important thing in this season for us. And so if you feel that's out over our skis and you want to push back on that, fully understand, but it's a soul thing. And we just want you to understand and feel that. So we're talking about uh, spirit-led and what does it mean to be spirit-led that God is already at work? And I want to I want to talk about this, but first I want to talk about the elephant in the room, if you will, when it comes to being led. <laughs> Some of us struggle with, I would, I would go so far as to say hate, some of us. Uh, some of us just simply can't stand following other people because you're a leader and you're not following because you're a good leader, okay? There's this tension in, why well, to follow them? Why would I do that? There's this, there's this struggle with following. We're just bad followers, not all of us. I'm just saying sometimes that's attention. And there's an important lesson here for followers. Bad followership includes resisting good leadership. When you struggle to follow for whatever reason, whatever happened, whatever the thing in your story keeps that from being true, when you buck against that for whatever reason, 
ultimately you will end up missing out on following good leaders, good leadership. Put it this way, bad followers resist good leaders. And that's a problem, especially when the good leader that I'm talking about is the Holy Spirit, not me. <laughs> Some of you thought I was setting it up to be me, right? No, I'm not. The Holy Spirit. And when our inability to follow impacts our ability to follow the Holy Spirit, we're in trouble. And so one, I, I would say business leader, church leader, put it this way, to be a good follower Your organization's purpose must take priority over your personal preferences. Now, let me tell you what our organization is before we get a little weird. It's the church. Now, I hate referring to it as an organization, so let's just call it the church in reference to this quote that our organization, if you will, purpose must take priority over your personal preference. When it comes to the church and the kingdom of God, our purpose is God's purpose. And God's purpose is to reconcile the world to himself through Jesus. And so we have been handed the ministry of reconciliation, meaning the hands and feet of Jesus in this world. And so we get to go into this world for reconciliation. And so that means we can't push back when we hear somebody's hurting. We run. No matter what. That's God's purpose for us. Has to take priority over our personal preference because how we get there is the Holy Spirit's leading. The way in which we lean into what God is doing in his purpose is by following the leading of the Holy Spirit. I want to share something that's really, really sad for us right now is Haiti is being inundated by the COVID virus. Ravished. And I got a call a couple weeks ago from Ephraim who is family to us. And he said, Dave, my older brother, who's like a father to Ephraim, is sick. And he's really bad. And then I got a text. My brother Enoch went home to be with Jesus. And I was just, I know how he must be feeling. And I'm reaching out to him and I'm like, Ephraim, are you okay? He said, no, I'm angry and I'm pissed off. And I said, I'm angry and pissed with you. I don't think he was expecting that. I don't think you were either because it's in that moment that we want to give all the cheesy verses that try to help people. All the words of advice and encouragement that we think are going to make them feel better and I just didn't have any. I just wanted to hold that space for him where he could just hurt and just feel. And I, I, I had something that I felt God had put on my heart, just this leading, this passage in Scripture, and just wanted to be sensitive. And so I was like, God, I'm not sharing it with him. And I feel like God's saying, no, you need to share it with him. I'm not, not going not to share it with him because I just want to hold that space. I want him to be able to process, and I want you to do the work. And he said, I'm trying. Would you just give him a call? And I said, okay, I'll call him. I called him this morning. We were able to connect, and I said, Ephraim, I said, I know. I said, I'm so hurting with you. I'm so sorry you're going through this, and I don't have a lot of words for you. I just want you to know that if I could, I'd be there, and I would just weep with you. But God did put something in my heart, and would you allow me to share it? He said, yeah. I said, in John chapter 6, Jesus has a lot of people following him, probably because it was the trendy, cool thing to do. And so he put this message out to them. If you want to follow me, you have to be willing to drink my blood and eat my flesh. Well, that seemed to scare most of them off. And they all took off. And Jesus looks at the 12 that stayed. And he said, are you going to leave too? I'm telling Ephraim this on the phone. And Peter, I said, I said, Ephraim, I want you to hear Peter's response. I don't have anything else to say to you, but I think God wants you to know Peter's response. Peter looked at Jesus after everybody had gone. Everybody got mad. Everybody was angry. He looked at him. 
And he said, where else would we go? You hold the keys to eternal life. I said, Eve, I know you're hurting, but where else would you go? He said, Dave, yesterday, Enoch's wife called me and shared that exact same verse. I said, then that must be what God wants you to hear. Where else would you go? See, God is already at work. He doesn't ask us to go in and add what we think needs to be done. He asks us to go in and be and let the Holy Spirit use us in their lives. That's how he works. So our organization is the church and the kingdom of God, but our personal preference are everything else. What we want, what benefits us, our flesh. I think sometimes we sit here and we say, I do good things. And we do, there's good things, but more often than not, the good things we're doing has this corrupt motive within it of what I gain from it. It's really hard, hear me. It's almost impossible to do good things without wrong motives, without the Holy Spirit. It just is. Because within it is all of the crumb of everything else, the flesh and the things that we want and need from it. So it isn't just good to be good. It's good not because I want the credit in any way. It's to be good because I want people to see God. And I want all the glory to go to him. And listen to me, the only way you get there is to be led by the Holy Spirit. Because in the end, you do things like that where you go, that wasn't me. And when I hang up the phone with Ephraim, he isn't saying I've got such a good friend. He's saying I've got such a good God. You are led by something. Every day you're choosing to follow something. And so Romans 8, 12 through 17, if you are uh, watching or you are here, I want you to stand with me as we read the Word of God because I miss standing together reading the Word of God. And so whether you're in your home, you're with your community group, I would love for us to grab our Bibles and stand as we go to Romans chapter 8. Verse 12, therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. Woo! You have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. Free. Love that. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. Now we call Him Abba, Father. And so... Lord, we pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The word of God. You can be seated. 
I want you to notice a really, really important theme that we see a lot in Scripture, but especially here. The theme is our status as children of God. That followers of Jesus are children of God. (laughs) It's in these words that we find so much freedom and joy and love and hope. And if you don't, then you aren't reading it right. It's children of God changes everything. Our Christian identity, the Christian identity, if you will, is the only identity in the world today, where, listen to me, where people want the freedom to create their own identities. Christianity is the only identity in the world today that is received and not achieved. It's just gladly given to us, and so we're not dependent upon whether it works or doesn't, stays up or falls. Because it's Jesus. And so when we fall, he forgives. It's beautiful. We have this identity. And so what Paul is doing here is telling us Christians about ourselves and who we are and who God is in relationship to us. And he's telling us how we can know this about ourselves and what it applies about our experience in this world. Listen, if you've made a decision to follow Jesus, you are children of God. That means the God of the universe has your back. I just love that. I know that if I get out of line, he's going to go, you're out of line. And it's loving. It's beautiful. Not because I'm bad, but because he's good. Not because he looks at me and sees what's wrong with me, but because he sees what's missing and wants everything that he has for me. That's how we are with our kids, right? Boy, I, this is going to be a long four pages. I apologize. Paul's using our status as children of God to teach us about what it means to be led by the Spirit. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Kill sin or sin will kill you. Bottom line. The number one enemy of your soul, the devil, wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And he started early on. And Jesus went to the cross to pay the penalty of sin so we could be free. And sin, if you let it, will kill you. How? How do we kill sin? By the Spirit. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. By the Spirit does not mean that the Spirit is a tool or weapon that we use. That's how I was raised. Man, just with the Holy Spirit. And if you didn't, you're not a good sword wielder. It's on you. I want you to get this because this is huge. It's really important. By the Spirit does not mean that the Spirit is a tool or a weapon that you use because the Spirit is a person. We are in his hands. He is not in ours. So killing sin by the Spirit means having a mindset through which the Holy Spirit works to free us from the power of sin. And that mindset is the mindset of faith in the promises of God. That's why we got to know them. paid for by Jesus on the cross. The Holy Spirit is not an instrument in our hands, but we are an instrument in his hands. Now that I just got excited. Verse 14 tells us why verse 13 is true. Paul restates putting to death the deeds of the body by the spirit with the words, you are led by the spirit. 
I'm setting us up for what this means in community. Doing something by the Spirit means being led to do it by the Spirit, which really helps you understand why we got to become good followers, doesn't it? If we're going to be led by the Holy Spirit. Doing something by the Spirit means being led to do it by the Spirit. He is not an instrument in our hands. We are an instrument in His hands. We are not leading Him. He is leading us. He is not a mere responder to us. We are being moved and led by Him. That's why Rick Knox used to wake up every day and say, God, how do you want to use me today? I am just an instrument for your glory. I miss him. So then what is it to be led by the spirit in verse 14 in view of its relation to verse 13? When you fight sin by trusting in Jesus as more important to what sin offers, you're being led by the spirit. When you can say, I want Jesus more than I want that, that's the spirit inside of you. Changing your desires. When you want that sin more than you want Jesus, that's your flesh at work. That's part two. Can't get there today. I choose Jesus is what we're saying. It's not this upward journey, but it's this downward way where Jesus said the last will be first and the first will be last. If you want to be great in my kingdom, you learn to be a servant of all. Don't take this verse out of its context and make it mean mainly that if I'm led to the right college or school, I'm a child of God. Or if I'm led to the right husband or wife, then I must be a child of God. Or if I'm led to the right job opportunity or success, then I must be a child of God. There is a sense in which the children of God will always lean on the Spirit for guidance in those areas. Always. But it's not what Paul is talking about here. This text says, kill sin by the Spirit, because all who are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. In other words, the evidence that we are the children of God is that the Holy Spirit confirms His presence by leading us into war against our sin. And He wins! Goodness! I'm getting excited. The children of God hate sin. Why do we sin? Because we like it. The children of God hate what? Sin. We need the Holy Spirit to do a work. So that it becomes true. The children of God have the values and priorities and preferences and loves of their father. That's why they're chips off the block. Because we look and act and think like Jesus. That's when repentance comes in. Because when I don't look and act and think like Jesus and the Holy Spirit reveals that to me, I change the way I'm thinking. I repent and I believe means I act on what I say I believe. Or if I don't, that's just practical atheism. To say you believe something but it doesn't change who you are. And so the reason we share these traits of God our Father is because we have his spirit who leads us this way. He gives us the new loves and the new preferences and the new values, which is those values on the wall out there, the new pleasures, the new sadness. And so the evidence, I got to tell you, there was a day when had that happened to Ephraim, I'd have been like, boy, you got to pull yourself by the bootstraps and you got to get up. How dare you be angry at God? We know you need to ask forgiveness for that anger towards God. God's up there going, shut up, Dave. That's you. I don't know why I said that gives us these new loves, new preferences, sadness. So the evidence that we're children of God is this. Do we fight sin in our lives or do we feel blasé about the sin in our lives? 
do you even know it's a sin? So when we look at verse 13 and 14, we see that killing sin by the Spirit is explained by being led by the Spirit. But don't miss, you will live in verse 13 and you are sons of God in verse 14. If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. What this shows is what, that the promise of life is rooted in our being children of God. And our hatred towards sin is evidence that the Holy Spirit is there. And the fact that the Holy Spirit is there means that we are the children of God, which means we have the promise of everlasting life. Are you connecting all this? It means that killing sin by the Spirit is the evidence of our sonship and daughtership, and therefore it is the path to life everlasting, life to the full that Jesus described. Paul is telling us this so we can enjoy it. You enjoy your Christianity? Your faith, your following of Jesus, you enjoy it? I mean, it's not always fun, but do you enjoy it? Because that's what Paul's saying. You can enjoy it. He's telling us these things for our joy and our triumph over the adversities and fears of life. And boy, do we need some joy and triumph over the adversities and fears of life. And that's the point of verse 15. I'll close with this. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Verse 15 comes in now to explain more fully how the spirit of God relates to our status as children of God. He says in verse 14, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons and daughters of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The work of the Holy Spirit in our lives is to change our slavish fears toward God into confident, happy, peaceful, loving affection for a God who is dad. I'm not bad, he is good. Does not get you to kill sin by making you a slave who acts out of fear. You better or you're going to hell. Though there is a hell. But by making you a son or daughter who acts out of faith and affection. Because God has something better than the sin you think is so good. How does he do it? He does it by replacing fear with love. How then does he shape our wills, desires, loves, wants, and lead us to put to death the deeds of the body? He does it by making real to us the truth of our adoption and the value of our Father in heaven. I read a lot of Brendan Manning, wrote Ragamuffin Gospel, big communicator around grace and love, and the church just needs to hear this. You are so loved. Oh, man. I know you've probably done things you're embarrassed of. I know the enemy has heaped all kinds of guilt and shame and condemnation. And for some of us, we've received it and we've lived in it. And it's kept us from freedom. But the God of the universe loves you. And is calling you to be a son and a daughter. And when you are, he loves you like the best dad ever would. With no flaws. And he's adopted you in And there's something powerful about that. He does it by working 
in two ways, by bringing God's love to show us that, and some of us just need to feel it more. You need to go home, put on the song, Oh, How He Loves Us, and just listen to it all day. And for others, it's by bringing our childlike affections out of us. Because when we were little, we were told it was bad to feel and to trust. And so the Holy Spirit gets in there and it just stirs up this love. He said, Dad, you're so good. I love you so much. I'm sorry that I chose that over you. I know it breaks your heart. I know it's killing my heart. I'm done. Now let me share this with you. Having shared that being led by the Spirit in our life, first and foremost, looks like killing sin in our life. And the greatest sign that the Spirit of God is present is when you start hating sin. Loving yourself and others, hating sin. But let me tell you what has to happen and why community is so important, and then we're done. As a matter of fact, I'm going to ask the band to come back up. I got to tell you, I've had a lot of moments where I've said to the Lord, I've been doing this. And I know it's hurtful to you. It's hurtful to me. I know it's sin or I haven't been doing this. By the way, can I say when we say sin, we're not talking about just the bad things you've done, but the good things you forgot to do. I'll say forgot because it might feel easier to receive. That's sin. And I've come before God lots of times and been like, oh, you know. And he's been gracious, but I've never known real forgiveness. Like when I've gone to a group of people who love Jesus, hear me. And like the Bible says, confess my sins one to another, praying for each other. You catching me? So that what I can be healed. Why is that sin still wreaking havoc in your life? Because you have yet to bring it to a biblical community who can hold your story in a space and pray for you and show you grace and love and the mercy that God shows. And then when you receive that and experience it as human hands who aren't any better than you put their hands on you and pray healing over you. Community. It heals. We need to be led by the Spirit. And a good sign that you're being led by the Spirit is you hate more and more the sin in your life and the sin in this world. And so it leads us to act. Not because I'm trying to earn my dad's love, but because I've already got it. And so we sing, oh, come, right? And here's, here's what's true. I'll get better. Jesus said, bring your burdens and cares and cast it on me. Put it on the cross. That's where it's doing. So he says, come to the altar. It's, it's a moving of your heart to his heart. It's in community. It's in Christ. So I want us just to sing that chorus. 
And if you're sitting here, you're saying, you know what? I don't hate the sin in my life enough. If you're watching, you're saying, I don't hate the sin in my life enough. I need the Holy Spirit to fill me in such a way that gives me the power and authority over the sin in my life, that there would be a hatred of it and a hatred in this world that I wouldn't try to justify the sin in this world, but I would stand up against the sin in this world because the Holy Spirit is doing something in me. So if that's you, you're saying, man, whether you're sitting at home or you're, you're right here, that's me. I have some things in my life that I, I, am, I want the Holy Spirit to do a work in. Would you stand? Some sin. And now what I want us to do is receive the words of this song because they're true. And I want us to come to the altar of the cross in community together and say, this is what I'm bringing. Come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide Forgiveness was born with The precious blood of Jesus Christ Oh, come to the altar The Father's arms are open wide Forgiveness was born watching on TV will watch this week and I pray Holy Spirit that you would come and did come and will continue to come wave after wave of your filling your moving and bring a holy hatred for sin a discontent for sin that we would not be friends with our sin we would not be passive about our sin we would not be accepting of our sin But God, we would see it for what it is. It is evil. It is destructive. It is holding us back from the goodness and greatness of God. And so we renounce it in Jesus' name. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is in us. And so God, I pray you would create space in our hearts to receive what the work of the Holy Spirit is doing. And I pray you would create space in our communities to receive one another, not judge each other, not shame each other, not guilt each other 
not condemn each other, but hold each other's story and love and forgive and show grace and walk beside. And I pray that we would begin to change the narrative of stories that the enemy holds instead of Jesus holding them. Holy Spirit, come and reclaim and reconcile our stories. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. A firm believer, the devil doesn't play games, so the church should stop playing games. And it's time for us to live in the power that we've been given. Not wielding the Holy Spirit's power, but following his lead as the instruments of God in this world to bring him glory, not us. May that be our story. In Jesus' name.